on weeknights from 6 on 2FM yeah, big thanks to African Andrew for all your entertainment this afternoon. It is Tuesday the 17th of October and you're listening to Game On with me, Ruby Walsh, alongside Shane Dawson. Coming up between now and 7pm, Alan Pacali will be joining us to reflect on Ireland's comfortable victory over Gibraltar and he's going to round up everything else that's happened in European soccer too. Yeah, no pressure, Alan. Plus, we will be joined by Mike Prendergast to reflect on the legendary career of Keith Earls. And since we ran out of road yesterday, I will be putting a few questions to Ruby on the latest news in the world of racing tonight. As always, if you want to have your say, 51552 is the text number, or you can get us on Game On 2FM on the social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter. Game On on 2FM. Well, we, you we didn't have anything to worry about. Didn't have anything to worry about. I just wanted to dive straight in, Ruby, because you were a bit... You had me worried yesterday. I wouldn't say no, pessimistic. Well. You just... You, you didn't... Didn't hold that hope, Alan. I don't know if you were listening to I yesterday's show. The, the chat beforehand. Yeah. I was listening to you, yeah. Was Ruby a bit downbeat? No, I think Ruby was as realistic and as honest as he ever is because you were getting all excited about Gibraltar, <laughs> Shane. Even I'm not getting excited about Gibraltar. But the players that scored didn't even get excited for scoring against <laughs> Yeah. It's job done. We will be getting into the, the detail of, of Gibraltar. I'm, all, I'm very much looking forward to that as well. Yeah. It was, um, That's no insult to Gibraltar. That's just where those players and that group, that team, are at the moment. That whatever happened last night didn't. Matter. Yeah. Look, it wins a win. It doesn't matter, no. Like, I know I'm in here to give a view and an assessment and an analysis of the games Yeah, it's very hard to give anything and take anything out of that of real substance that you could look at and think yeah that's something to go forward and what we can what we can do going forward and what we can use there was a 40 year old there was an experienced defender that we had to you know I'm looking at it and honestly it's no disrespect to them but it's it's like having and I, I used this example today and then I thought afterwards I don't even think it's like this it's like New York in the in the Gaelic but they actually won a match didn't they yeah. they beat Leitrim yeah. but it's just it's 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 a non-event I was going to reply to that but I thought no I know too many people in Leitrim so I think we'll just move on from thinking <laughs> each other Right Alan you will be giving us your thoughts on that match uh, in due course but we are going to turn our attention to rugby uh, but first news lines but they all involve rugby Ruby uh, because organisers of the United Rugby Championship have announced changes to their European qualification system which they say will now offer full meritocracy in a change from the previous qualification method, all eight top-ranked teams from the league table will qualify for the Champions Cup, but the remaining sides taking their place in the Challenge Cup. The winners of the regional shields will no longer be awarded a place in the Champions Cup, and the primary way to qualify from the URC is to finish in the top eight of the after the 18-round regular season. I had to read that twice this morning. Meritocracy. Meritocracy. Had, yeah. had not come across before. I was reading and thinking, what exactly does that mean? I nearly had to Google it to figure out what they were saying. Could they not just... It's fairer. Playing English, no? Yeah, I think it's fairer. Top eight teams are going through. Yeah. The rest are going to the Challenge Cup. This is... Ah, listen. It's business speak, isn't it? It's all... Sport is a business these days, Ruby. Go on. Sport's a business. We, we learned that last night listening to the Olympics. <laughs> oh, this is true, yeah. I say you enjoyed that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a massive fan of flag football. I'm going to start a, a game on flag football team. That's, that's next one. You're going to get yourself on the Olympic team, you would. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's next on the agenda. Um, Eddie Jones has committed his future to coaching Australia and again denied speculation linking him with a return to Japan. Australia, of course, crashed out of the Rugby World Cup at the group stage for the first time after defeats to Fiji and Wales, but the former England coach insists he has no plans to move. I'm staying, mate, he told reporters in Australia. I've always been committed to Australian rugby. I want to leave it in a better place, and that's still the job. Did we hear that before, Alan? Yeah. Eddie's classic, isn't he? He's great. I, I was tempted to try to do the accent, but I was like, no, I'm staying, staying fully away. <laughs> I'm staying, mate. I'm staying, mate. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, the news headlines. But we are going to stick with rugby because the other bigger news in the world of rugby is Court Keith. Of course, Keith Earls um, has announced his retirement from the game in a statement uh, that he released today. So in 30 seconds time, we are going to be chatting to Mike Prendergast, who is standing by on the line. Seven in for the touchline. Ireland have control of it here now towards Josh Van Fleer. Racing inside the 22. Josh Van Fleer forward with that one. Back here now with Conor Murray. Much better pass. Bundy takes it now. Swings it out wide towards Earls. Earls charging for the corner. Earls for the drive. Near side of the pitch. 73 minutes gone. The place has erupted. Keith Earls with the try on his 100th cap on the near side of the pitch. The Earls family have gone mad. The stadium has gone absolutely crazy. Keith Earls with the try for Ireland on the near side of the pitch. Not too many for ATL, but what a fantastic way to finish off. And I think more than anything, Michael Wiggett's hit from here as soon as he scored pretty much every single Irish player straight over there to congratulate him and you know almost celebrate not just a moment but what a wonderful career I day Keith Earls won't forget but her career many rugby fans won't and I'm delighted to say that Mike Prendergast the man who knows him well and knows all the Earls family has joined us on the line Mike where do you start with Keith Earls yeah tough one Ruby there's uh, there's so much to be said about about the guy um, what a brilliant guy um Honest as you'll meet, humble as you'll meet, brilliant family man, brilliant team player, and an outstanding rugby player. Um, and showing that through through his career, I know Keith since he's about ten or eleven. I played, uh, I luckily played with his dad as well with with Jerry and Young Monsters. Um, Twenty five years ago, it is now actually. So yeah, he's he's he was eleven at the time um, when I first, I suppose, um, met him. And I suppose I followed his career once I had that attachment with him and, and, and his family. His, his dad, Ger, as I mentioned, and his mom, Sandra, great people. Um, and followed his career, I suppose, through schools where he won. He was a, a brilliant schools player with Munchens College. He won a senior cup in, in, in 2006, it was. Um, went into the Munster Academy and then ended up playing with Munster at 19. Got capped at 20, scored his first try in, in Toman Park. At, uh, against uh, Canada in a, in a friendly game there, and then at 21, um, played with the Lions, you know. So that's that's some start to a career at 19, 20, 21, and I suppose to be that grounded through your your career, especially as a young guy, I think speaks volumes of uh, of Keith and, and and what he's done. I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times, but the first time I did was in Heathrow Airport. I was with Tony McCoy, months ago coming back from somewhere, and myself and AP. It's not often two jockeys look a rugby player straight in the eye. He was only five foot ten. He wasn't the biggest, most physical man in the world, but by God, he made use of every bit of physicality he had. Yeah, tough, tough as nails, mentally, physically. Um, just so explosive, um, you know. He had a skill set. He was very, very obviously his speed was 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 um, something that was a very strong part of his game. 
He'd um, brilliant footwork. His skill set was great, you know, Keith, when, especially at a younger age, played when he started off playing with Munster and, and coming into the Irish squad and, and even with the Lions, played at 15. So he had the ability, which is is great in, 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 in the team sport we play, to, to be able to play wing 13, 15 equally well because his skill set um, allowed him to do that, you know, and, and he, he had a long career. You look at it, 16 years um, playing professional rugby, He's he's seen it all. He's he's done it all. He's an amount of you know trophies, achievements he's won has been has been you know up there with with the best. And he he leave a, a huge legacy. He was an incredible uh, pro. And uh, you don't become you know a rugby player, professional rugby player for sixteen years unless you you really look after yourself. You know so. And just as I saw him, I suppose last year I was fortunate enough to I played with Keith for my 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 last year and his first year with Munster and then. The opposite around, I suppose. He, he finished up. He's finished up now. He's last year with Munster. Thankfully, we went on to win the ORC, which is a nice fitting way to finish off for him in a, in a red jersey. Um, and as I said, I had the privilege to, to coach him there last year. And just um, the minute I came into the to the building, just with the players, the respect he gained, and and the great thing was, and I know it's been said before, but a great mentor to players, you know, and, and especially the young lads and. He's, as I said, he's seen it all. He's been coached by world-class coaches over the years. He's been led by great leaders within Ireland, um, the Lions, Munster, etc. And I, I think he uh, he took the bits and pieces out of that and, and I suppose put him into his own personality, which he has a, a very good, strong personality and, um, you know, equipped himself so well as, as, as a player and as a person. I couldn't speak highly enough about Keith. Yeah, he really comes across as just a, a beautiful person and a legendary um, character. What was a young Keith Earls like? Was when when you saw him play first, even in his very very early days, before he caught the eye of the public or anyone? Did you always know that he was he was destined for for big things, or was there any kind of turning point or one particular moment back even in his teenage years that you recall? Yeah, I, I do actually, Shane. I remember obviously, as I said, I, I knew him at a young age, so. I would have kind of followed him and obviously his dad, Ger, would always let, let me know how he was getting on. And he was actually, he was a good all-rounder. He was very good at soccer. He was very good at Gaelic football. So you knew he was just, he was naturally gifted uh, footballer that, that he had that. And then I suppose where I saw him, I suppose really burst onto onto the scene was at, at school's level. Um, as you said, in Munchens, St. Munchens in, in the Munster Senior Cup, I remember him scoring a try just out the back line a step and just this acceleration that I, I hadn't seen in a long time I have to say um, and it was that kind of moment I remember thinking to myself you know this this guy is this guy is going to be very very special and and I suppose it, it, he proved himself right and he went down as I said to, to huge achievements over, over the last 16 years you know I think from listening to you Mike I kind of know the answer but it doesn't sound like a young Keith Earls changed much when he became an older Keith Earls no, always the same as I said to you. He's a very humble guy, very honest. Uh, never got himself worked up. Um, kept his feet on the ground. Um, as I said, a great family behind him. His mom and dad, his wife Adele, three lovely kids, and uh, just a very good human being. And as I said, from a from a rugby environment, a real team player. You know, always put the the team first and willing to help out and. Um, yeah, just just a, a very good guy all round, you know. There's a small chance when a guy like Keith Earls retires, he does become opposition for someone like Mike Prendergast. But would you think he would be in addition to the coaching ranks? Hugely, massively. Yeah, he's just he's built up so much. As I said, you you build up an awful lot 
um, when you when you I suppose get exposed to different environments. And he's been he's been exposed to so many different environments through Ireland, through Munster, through the Lions, different coaches. As I said, and um, just listening to him last year when, as I said, I had the privilege to coach him. Um, when he would speak, it wasn't always he'd speak when he felt it was the right time to speak. And when he did, I suppose that that held a lot of value. Um, and when he spoke both sides of the ball, both, both in attack and defence, um, you know, he knew exactly what what he was speaking about. He was very, um, he'd analysed the game very well. Obviously, you know, he was a great athlete. He had a great feel for the game. Of course he did. Um, but to play for 16 years at that level, you know, you need to know your stuff. And we've seen him in, in such big moments, as I said, both sides of the ball over the years, moments that stand out, you know. So um, I think from a coaching aspect, um, if he does, and 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 hopefully he he does, uh, you know, I haven't. He, I'm, I'm sure it's, he's just have, obviously after announcing it, he'll go away, spend a bit of time with his family, and, and see where see where um, he wants. He's I suppose next step to go. But um, as I said, from a coaching perspective, he's he's equipped himself um, very well, and I'm sure if he was to go into coaching route, route, he would do it in in I suppose in the right steps as well. How influential was Keith on a, on a day-to-day basis, particularly near perhaps the end of his career for the younger guys in, in Munster? Like, could you see that in training, even kind of putting an arm around some of the younger guys or having a quiet word here and there? I, exactly. You just said it there, Shane. He did it very discreetly as well. You know, when he when he needed, if I was presenting something in, in, in the video room or to the collective or to the backs, um, if Keith felt it was the right thing to do to, to make sure that, you know, um, everybody was clear or if he had something to add to it he would add to it and as I said his timing was always really really good but then you'd see him on the pitch or if we do our little walkthroughs indoor you'd see him over with the, the younger players and again just reinforcing the points the coaches um, were making but also if he felt there was something that you know there might be an extra layer there he would get it in and, and and any young players you speak to, you know, they, they'll tell you that. And, and not just young, I think even some of the, the older players that I suppose need a reminding at times, he, he was very good at that as well, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing even when you read a statement um, announcing his retirement, like the, one of the first thing he mentions is, is his parents, Jer and Sandra, his sister Jenny, and then goes on to name everyone who he's played for. It's not just kind of Ireland or Munster, it's St. Munchens, it's Young Munster and everything. And then he ends with thanking his wife and, and his children. So how important do you think that support network was for Keith in order for him to flourish? Hugely, hugely. He, um, you know, I suppose even over the years, you look... You look at how many caps. Fortunately, he got the the hundred and one caps. Scored a, a a memorable try that we we heard about there on his hundred cap, which was fitting in in the Aviva. Um, and I suppose you look through his career, he probably would have even had more, bar a couple of injuries here and there. And that happens with players, especially players that play over you know the length the duration he did of sixteen years. So there was times there where he was injured, and and that's when you need, I suppose, that good support. And I remember him a couple of times on one injury, and maybe followed it with another one. But um, he always came back strong and 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 produced, you know, which is a great sign again of of what a what a great player, a great person. Um, but but as you said there. There has to be something behind it as well, and as I said, he, he has that family that that would support him. I I know he's 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 been with his wife at Adele for 
since they were actually about eleven or twelve. I remember as well when I first came across Keith, it was it was he was with Adele at that stage. So um, they know each other inside out, and and she's been a massive support to him as well. You know, so um, that, yeah, absolutely. As I said, you don't go through a career like that without having really good pillars and foundation and support like he has from he, from his family. So Johnny Sexton went. Keith Earls is following him. Mike, I hate to put you on the spot, but are there a couple of more on the way? Uh, I, I don't think so as, as of now, to be honest with you. I'm sure some of them will, will probably go away and, and reflect um, after after the World Cup um, and, and come back and, and see where reset and see where what their goals are and where they want to go. But as of now, thankfully not. So it'll be it's hard enough, I suppose, to lose to lose Keith here from from Munster and from Ireland. I'm sure. You know, for Irish rugby, Johnny, who's been such an incredible servant, um, I suppose the blow is hard enough losing too. Let's hope we, we don't, for the time being, lose any more to, to retirement. I was actually looking at the Irish squad and looking through everyone's age everywhere, and what really stood out to me was how many of them were less than 20, or less than 30, I mean. When you look at this, the, the, the tournament Bundyaki had at 33, and then you look at the age of the guys Ireland have, like Mark Hansen, 25, Kellen Doris, 25, Jack Haley, Jack Crowley, Craig Casey, uh, Ryan Bird, Gary Ringrose is only 28. Like mm-hmm. we, whatever about the World Cup that's gone, we have some squad of players the right side of 30 to be looking forward to. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we've a lot coming through as well. I suppose you look at the the success of the Irish under twenties over the last number of years, there's there's great individuals coming through there as well, and and you know that just keeps pushing the bar. And you mentioned guys like you know Gary Ringrose, um, you know Jack Cohn, and these guys they've 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 so many caps as well built up. So they're the guys now, along with others that will take on that I suppose that mantle now and 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 lead from from the front and and but yeah you're right in terms of being in a healthy position we are and and in the system in in, in Ireland I suppose you can see it I was away for for 10 years coaching in France and you come back and you see the systems that are in place to create that um and, and it's all credit to the RFU if they, they have that put in place that we are developing those players and as I said there's 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 good comfort in that over the over the next number of years I got some land when I was looking at it. Ronan Keller and Dan Sheen are only 25. <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> like, they, like Just to move even out of the depression, like I know we lost one, but they're still coming. <laughs> it's incredible. They absolutely are. Um, Mike, before we let you go, um, preparation going well, Sharks and Thoman Park. It's mad. Even the URC is back. The World Cup is still ongoing. Yeah, thankfully at this stage, we've had a long pre-season, being honest with you, Shane. Um, it's been going on for a couple of months now. Has that been tough? Obviously, yeah, it has been. It's been challenging. You're, you're trying to get the balance right um, in terms of we've had three three um, friendly games, but nothing beats the competitiveness of, of of a league game. And you know what? Everyone's really really looking forward to it. It'll be it'll be it'll be a, it's a tough start for sure. Um, Sharks are, are you know they'll bring. We've seen what South Africa like. They'll have a lot of I suppose players that would have played with South Africa as well to bring a lot of power and it'll be a big challenge but I suppose the overriding thing is that we're, we're back into to, um, competition now and I suppose you know everyone's been looking at the World Cup and been following Ireland and it's been outstanding obviously it was it was you know it was, it was tough last weekend very very tough and um, but I suppose for for ourselves we've got a you know, look at what's what's happening next Saturday and, and switch into that. And as I said, it's been a long pre-season, so, uh, so we're really looking forward to com- competition starting up again. 
Can I just ask you a final question? I do promise, Mike, but just a um, couple of new players. I know a couple of academy guys have stood, uh, stepped up. John Ryan has returned, but Sean O'Brien and Alex Nankivel, the yes. Maori All Black, what, have they settled in well? What, what should Munster fans expect? Yeah, very good. Sean, unfortunately, when he when he arrived in, he he had a bit of a he had a bit of an injury, a bit of a setback. But uh, he's been back now the last week or two, and 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 looks very sharp. Good good profile will suit how we want to play. Went off to Exeter for a year. Had been playing with Connacht. Went off to Exeter. Um, played in the semi final of a Champions Cup there this year. So got a great experience. Um, and and he brings that back with him. And then obviously Alex Nankivel, who who's come in. He's just arrived this week. Um, we've been tracking him, I suppose, a while. Played with the, the All Black Maoris. Again, a player that will suit how, how we want to play the game and seems like a really, really top top bloke. Again, brings something different to us in terms of where he's coming from. Played with the Chiefs, played with John Ryan, actually. Um, so, yeah, really exciting to get those two players and, and those two lads. And as you mentioned there, some of the academy boys, because of the World Cup, will, will get their opportunities and have been during the, the pre-season games and, and are putting putting their hands up, which is... Which is great because you know you need that competition for places to to push the standards and push the bar. You most certainly do, Mike Prendergast. Thanks a million for taking our call as Keith Earls bows out. And what was a wonderful career. Game on, rugby. Game on, football. No, you're very welcome back to Game On as we chat football in the company of Alan Cawley. 51552 is the text number or you can get us on the social media platform X at Game On 2FM. And speaking of the social media platform X, I did promise an interview with James O'Callaghan, the P-Mount United manager. However, we we're going to be chatting to James tomorrow. So misinformation on my behalf. So we too organised, Shane. You too were just organized. too organised early in the day. Exactly. I was getting ahead of the game, so that's more fool me. Um, don't believe everything you read on X. But uh, yeah, we will be chatting to James O'Callaghan, the first manager, of course, to uh, lead uh, a team to three league titles in the League of Ireland Women's Premier Division. So some achievement. Piemont United, of course, league champions at the weekend. So it was, uh, hopefully it will be a very interesting chat with James. But we are here to uh, reflect on Ireland's victory over Gibraltar and chat plenty more besides. So... In order for Ireland to get a playoff, gentlemen, Ireland need Israel to overtake Romania in their group, Iceland to beat Slovakia by two goals in November, and then beat Portugal, and hope the Slovaks lose to Bosnia. Last night's results mean that Ireland's chances will not be boosted next month by losing to the Dutch in their final group game because the Netherlands beat Greece, so they will likely qualify with a win over Gibraltar in their final game. So... You're Alan. telling me there's a chance. I'm telling you there's a chance, Alan. <laughs> I'd say you may go through that again slowly with an abacus and try and work it out again. But I don't have the group standings, but hopefully our Israel will overtake Romania. I have standings there where the first the one that stuck out. Overtake Romania. Sorry, Alan. No, no. I, I think the percentage. The, so Israel, Switzerland is the, is the decider in that group. And the one that stuck out for me, you mentioned Portugal, someone to beat Portugal. Portugal have 24 points out of their eight games and yeah, scored 32 goals. Battered Bosnia last They've night. They've only conceded two. Yeah. So eight Iceland threes, to beat... Eight threes is 24, so Portugal aren't playing again. So I, mm. Iceland to beat Slovakia by two goals and then beat Portugal. How is there nine games? There's six in that group, is there? Yeah. Is there? Yeah, there's six. So yeah, they will be beat Portugal yeah. and I hope the Slovaks lose to Bosnia. So listen, lads, I have the information in front of us and I'm still none the wiser. So all I'm saying is by Opta well, statistics... Who do we get in the playoff then? I think... Don't get Gibraltar again, do we? No. Well, you'd love that, Ruby. You'd be as enthused. At least we'd have a chance then. <laughs> I think it's a 0.12%. 
I think that's what I, that's I, what I, I saw. So listen, do you genuinely look at those things? I I like I like a good stat. Yeah. No, I don't mean a stat. I mean like <laughs> the fact that you're thinking if this happens and that happens and net the other happens that we'll have a playoff. You I I'd be a fan of just, you know, control Go. your own destiny. Go back there yeah. again. Zero point what did you say? Uh, 0.12%. Yeah, it's not happening. That's not it's even more than 100. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ruby. I'm, I'm like, listen, it's... It's 100 to one shot, plus. It's more than that. It's 1,000 to one, actually. Well, it's not a non-runner, to put it into your parlance, Ruby, okay? it's. it's I would a, say it is a non-runner. It's, there's, no, the, we're still in the race. We're still in the race. And, okay, we probably can't take much from the victory over Gibraltar, but the fact of the matter is... We're I'm still guessing in the race. you regularly do the lotto. But the problem as well is the, I suppose, that that makes it all the more galling and, and gloomy is the fact that it's nearly set up now that you're guaranteed picking up a playoff and we're not even in, as you said, a one in a yeah. hundred chance of even getting that. So that's that tells you how disappointing the campaign has been. No, that makes it a thousand to one. Yeah, it, it is. And obviously, this I think Key Trace was making the point yesterday, it, it does kind of come back then to your games against Greece, the, the ones that... Mm is ultimately kind of what, what causes, I suppose. But I suppose we do have to reflect on, on the match somewhat. Can you learn anything from that victory against a very poor international side? Genuinely, I don't, I don't think you can, Shane. And that's not being um, disrespectful to the fact that it was an international match. The players, I suppose, went out and the only way you can treat that is be professional and perform and get the victory and, and and that's it, effectively. But in terms of going forward or taking anything out of it, because you'll never play anybody as poor as that again until you play them again. Mm. So the fact that you're coming off the, the defeat on Friday night, which is obviously that was the most disappointing aspect, and yes, they had to go and pick themselves up, but they are so poor. Gibraltar are so bad like it's a non-event it really is and and I'd say if you were to speak to the players themselves although it's a, an official international it's a cap on their CV it's a goal for whoever scores they'll always be marked down for that but I'd say it's very even hard to get yourself going for the likes of that, that match mm. last night and, and they had to and they did that but in terms of taking anything out of it absolutely nothing for me Shane In terms of the formation and, and how we set up do you think this well, that was the only way he was going to set up. And mm. that's and the point being, because they're so poor, you can afford to just play Josh Cullen as the one sitting in front of the back four and you can have your two attacking midfielders and, and be expansive with the two wingers and the centre-forward. But if you were to play Greece, um, would he play like that? No, he played with two sitting midfielders against Greece and the back four. So, depending on the opposition, again, it's easy to go out and play against Gibraltar and be expansive and play your attack-minded players. Like, he used Johnson as a player coming on an impact sub on Friday night. Mm. He was happy to start him last night because there's no risk whatsoever in starting him against Gibraltar where the questions about the likes of him as a player, and, and he's very good, but if you played him in a game, and he hasn't played a lot of football, but the likes of his ilk, if you like, playing in a game against the Netherlands or against Greece, the first thing people say, well... What's he doing for you off the ball or defensively? There's no worries whatsoever about being out of possession against Gibraltar or having to make him run back 40 or 50 yards because you have the ball for 89% of the match. So that's why it's easy to play those. But in terms of you asking the question, maybe Shane, about would he be more attack-minded in the next game, mm. you won't see that team in the next game away to the mm. Netherlands. So then I'll uh, tell us this. Who's this mysterious winger, Stephen Kenny, thinks he might have signed? Yeah, it's Roberts, isn't it? Patrick Roberts. Well, i uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
you're nailed on with that. You're nailed yeah, your that's colours. Right. That's as far as I know. Yeah, uh, another winger. Do you know Patrick? Yeah, Roberts? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did well. He was at. He's, he's had a, a lot of loans, but he's been. Um, he's been at Celtic where he played really, really well. He's at Sunderland at the moment. Technically, very, very good. Um, almost like a Johnson, but on the far side, plays as an inverted winger coming in off his strong left foot. Um, not as maybe as as tricky as what Johnson is, but more clever, like a Riyad Mahrez type coming in off the wing like that. Um, and he was on the books of City for, for yeah quite for some a long time, time yeah, and he was very good. On, and the spell that he had at Celtic, he was absolutely brilliant. I remember uh, during his time there, and I thought they might sign him permanently, and and his career would take off. It didn't quite. He went on. I think he went back to City and then went on another few loans mm. but he's at Sunderland and settled and playing well now um, we needed that because if you look back on this is on the assumption that it is Patrick uh, Roberts albeit he's with City he had a good time at Celtic but that's 2018 and then he loaned out to Girona Norwich City Middlesbrough Derby County mm. and Troy in League 1 and and now he's kind of finding his feet again at, at Sunderland yeah and that's why I was amazed because that spell that he did have Celtic he played over 50 games um, scored plenty of goals assists was doing mm. really really well and I'm not sure as the reasons why maybe he, it didn't make a permanent but then he went on another few loans that didn't probably quite do as well as what he had done at Celtic but he's at Sunderland now and um, again he's settled there playing every week I think played the last couple mm. of years with them as well and doing quite well yeah he's a very good player but is he the difference in us maybe qualifying for a tournament? I don't know, but he'd be in addition, certainly to the squad. He's a good player. So, Alan, if that's not the team Stephen Kenny's going to play against the Netherlands, I'm assuming he's not going to play the team that played against Greece. What is the team? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, Ruby, I suppose. And it's it's tough for Stephen. Like, I feel... I feel a little bit awkward about this because we all wanted Stephen to do well and obviously now it feels like, certainly for me, and I've no qualms whatsoever about saying this, but it's the end. I feel it's the end now and I was so disappointed on Friday night with the performance and the manner of the defeat and I felt leaving the stadium, it was the flattest I've ever seen and it was half-empty stadium and all the people who had supported Stephen, it felt like all that was gone and it was just a resignation to the fact that, okay, this is it, done, it's over. Mm. Then you have to go and get yourself ready for the game on Monday. And that's hard. I, I, I could only imagine how Stephen was feeling trying to get, get the players ready for that. And I know he's the eternal optimist and he'll go out and he, he'll, he'll do it properly. He'll do it professionally, as we've seen. Um, and somewhere inside him, he'll probably still feel as though maybe there's a, there's a chance or whatever. But even if you were to probably nail Stephen down, he'd probably tell you, look, I'm up against it now in terms of getting a contract. So looking ahead now to the Netherlands game, I said even over the weekend... I would nearly make the decision now. And I know the FEI have come out a few weeks back and said, look, he'll be there till the end of the campaign. But that was probably on the hope that we'd beat Greece or we'd get a draw. And, and you might... You, oh, might you can't s- go back on that, though, if you're the FEI, surely. But, I, but, but, but whether they go back on it or whether they keep it, it doesn't really make much of a difference, Shane. I don't think. So, Alan, if you start to rebuild anything, you put foundations in place which I assume in a soccer team is six or seven players that are the core of your team. Who are the six or seven that are the core of Stephen Kenny's team? Uh, looking at it, I suppose, from his tenure and what we've seen, and, and you can't go back the whole, because you're going back three or four years, but say in the last six months would be a good good period to look at. Um, I would definitely say either of the goalkeepers, but Bazunu was obviously going through a spell, but he's only a young keeper. But he'll certainly be there for the long haul, as will Kelleher. And it'll be, I suppose, whoever's in form will be will be in goal during y- youngest goalkeeper to make to reach twenty caps 
for Ireland. So yeah, and, and he's had a tough spell at club level, but he, I think he's a very good goalkeeper. And mm. the fact that he's, he's young he's and talented, lucky he was in Faro last night. He would, he would have got frostbite. Yeah, and I think to be fair, Joe, in this window, and this is why international football can be tricky as well, Ruby. Kelleher was probably on the verge of playing, I think, during this window, but then he got injured at Liverpool. So that's just unfortunate for him. And I think he probably would have started. So you can have either of those two mm. will be your goalie going forward. You'll have Nathan Collins, Amabama yeah. Daly. Yeah. Manning did quite well in the games. Uh, to be fair to him, he had a good window. I thought he did quite well when he came on the other night. And obviously, again, you can't, judge too much into last night but yeah. I think he'll be in and around it um, Darty, but Darty's 31 now is he 32 yeah I think would He'd, you not be looking at maybe yeah, Festy as yeah you could be looking at someone else go, there go, going, going forward, forward. Um, midfield it's that's his problem area Ruby that's his problem area is the midfield and that's been the problem throughout his whole tenure and trying to get one there as a mainstay who he has Josh Cullen and I think no matter who the manager is he'll probably be involved but just in and around that area in itself is I think where we're probably the weakest Ogbeni will definitely be involved he's been really good probably the best player under Stephen, I would say mm. and then you have Evan Ferguson so there's probably five or six you would look at that would be the nucleus of a team and then you're looking at the likes of Johnston, the likes of Roberts, if he was to come in, however, um, Knight, I think Knight obviously offers plenty and he'll be in the manager's thoughts going forward. But yeah, it's... Well, just on that then, so the players you've named, and this goes in then to, to the Stephen Kenny pathway. So, Gavin Bazunu. I put Dar O'Shea in there as well. And Dar O'Shea, okay, well that adds to, to, to what I'm going to say here. So Gavin Bazunu, 19 games with Stephen Kenny. And he was with him in the under-21s as well, as was Dara O'Shea, as was Cuevin Kelleher uh, as well. Um, Jason Knight, you mentioned. Nathan Collins, you mentioned. 23 games, Knight. Collins, 17 games with the senior team. Knight played seven times with the under-21s under Kenny. Collins played twice uh, with the 21s under, under Kenny as well. So if that's the nucleus of the team that Ireland are going to have going forward. And then you add to that Adamida, Malumbi, Obafemi, Conley and Scales who hopefully will be there thereabouts they're the players who have come all the way through with Stephen Kenny and they're the players that he keeps going back to and says well I have brought these players in mm. and I've nurtured them and I've, I've given them to Irish football so in a way Stephen Kenny has almost sacrificed his managerial career and he's going to be judged on results and not qualifying and given so many tough groups and everything that he's overcome. But he's brought these players through to give them an opportunity and that is for the better of Irish football going forward. Yeah, but I don't think you're using the word to sacrifice his managerial career. That's not the case at all, Shane, in my view, because these players, a transitional period needed to happen. Anyway, everybody was aware of that. So the likes of Nathan Collins was coming through whether I was the manager, whether you were the manager or whether Stephen Kenny was the manager. Evan Ferguson, the same. It's not a case of, oh, well, I was brave enough to give Evan Ferguson But, but he was brave enough to try and change tact. Oh, no, and, and but that's a different argument. When he, he came in... He did a U-turn now as well. No, when he well, when, well, against when, Greece and Gibraltar, we were hardly lumping it up. It was hardly no. But when he came in, what he wanted to do, and this is where I think he should be. It's it's admirable, and that's why I feel as though now I don't want to get it to a stage where people are humiliating him. He doesn't deserve that. He's a good man. Mm. He's tried his best. It didn't work out. It was admirable what he was trying to do, but maybe he underestimated just how difficult it was what he was trying to do, and maybe that's where the mistake lay. And if that's the case, fair enough. Sometimes you live and die by the sword, and that's that's what that's what his belief was at the time, and he was brave enough maybe to try that. 
hasn't worked out should he have changed it sooner potentially because I always felt this was the problem with the argument with Stephen it always broke out after every match and I always felt it was never a case of we either play football or we lump it long I always said and I said it more times here there has to be a balance somewhere yes we can play our football at the, at the right time but we can also go back to all the strengths that we had as an Irish team and all the things that we watched from Irish teams growing up and I just look at us now and I think we're a bit weak and a bit soft and, and it's almost gone from one to the other whereas I still think you can marry the two together and maybe that's where Stephen on reflection might look back and, and say maybe that's what I could have done better I don't know maybe he's sitting at home saying I've done everything right here <laughs> it's not fair yeah. we don't know but that's that's just my view and my opinion and what you're saying about the players, he has brought them through, Shane, but I think a lot of those players were coming through anyway, to be fair. And there was a big window. The problem with that, what you're saying there about those players and getting 20 caps and they're still very young, and that's right, you're, you're 100% right in that, maybe the next manager reaps the rewards of that. But unfortunately for Stephen, you can't keep saying when you're three, four years in the job, oh, but next year it'll be great because now there's 25 caps. <laughs> you know, He's had he's had his chance with those players, and that's this is a thing. I don't think Stephen looking back and come out and say, "Well, I didn't get me chance." He's got his chance, albeit a tough group. But I feel on, in games against Greece, where I even said when the draw was made, people were saying, "Oh, well, we definitely finished third." I felt that was always going to be a challenge as well. But I fully expected that maybe in those two games that we'd give a far better account of ourselves. We may have won one, we may have lost one, or we may have drawn two, or we may have drawn one. But to lose the two in the manner that we did, I think that's where he's be, he's come undone. And it's not going to change, so we can rabbit on about it here all night, or maybe we can look at what else was going on around European football, because we won't have this conversation again in a month's time when we played the Dutch, basically. <laughs> England, Italy tonight, Al. Yeah. Wembley. Big I game. Think. Big game, Ruby. Um uh, yeah, and to be fair, Italy are under a bit of pressure coming into this. They have a good record against England of late, but they're under a bit of pressure because Ukraine are sitting on the same number of points as them, 10 points, albeit Italy have a game in hand. But the Ukraine are playing also tonight, and they should beat Malta, which you would expect. That would put them on 13, and if Italy were to lose, they're under a little bit of pressure. It's they new. a bit of pressure. They are, and it's a new manager as well, or relatively new for... For Italy and they've underperformed. And there's yeah, but I don't think the players are there of the of the the great Italians that we once watched. So similar to Ireland, it's tough. And the manager doesn't have the players. <laughs> the, no, there's the other question. Does the next manager have the players? Adam? Yeah, and and I think that should be that should be factored into the arguments about Stephen as well. Now I, I suppose you can flip what the next thing I'm going to say, but I think it should be factored in what he's. I suppose, and again, I don't want to be too disrespectful towards the players. They're all carving out a, a, a career for themselves in tough, in a tough environment over there. It's not easy to be Premier League players, but unfortunately for us, we're, we're a lot of championship players and you're hoping the likes of Collins goes on to has a great career, Ferguson and all these lads. That'll be good for us. But I suppose what he's had to pick from compares to, because you hear a lot of his win percentage ratio compares to some other managers. Mm. You go back through those managers and the players they, are, they had to pick from. Stevens never had a world-class group or three or four world-class players in amongst it. And that's where I think he's been a bit good and also I'd be critical of him because he's always talked them up, which, which we, we want because we've always criticised the managers to talk them down. But I almost feel it's one thing talking them up in public and coming out after a bad performance and not throwing them under a bus, I'd love to know, is he digging them out in the dressing room? And I don't think, mm. being Stephen style and Stephen what he is, I'm not sure if he is. 
but there there is a trend of former Ireland managers not doing too well against similar level sides and they would have had these more high profile players Steve Staunton lost Cyprus obviously famously Drew and lost the Czech Republic Drew and defeated Wales by just 1-0 Slovakia won 1-0 Drew 2 all. Trapattoni then in probably the easiest group just got over the line against Armenia 1-0 and 2-1 but got over the line just got over the line but got over the line that is, that is fair on the, on, on the scores that was 3 points that is all accounts. And, yeah, which, and this you know, goes back to my other point of last night. Stephen Kenny can't put the ball in the back of the net. Martin O'Neill in Euro 2016. No, but you know what you've read out there, all those results go through them. How many times have you said draw? Draw? About five. The last loss of Scotland drew with Scotland. In Poland, it was a 90-minute goal from Shane Long. Aidan McGeady for Martin O'Neill in Georgia is 90th minute. <laughs> but I mean... We're creating the opportunities. We're having the same amount of shots. We're having more possession. It's not Stephen Kenny's fault that 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 he doesn't have the players that are able to be clinical like these former managers did. Even in Mick McCarthy's reign in for the Euros going into 2020, it was Shane Duffy, Matt Hardy, 85th minute goals against Denmark, and again a draw with Georgia, drawing with no, Switzerland. And that's why, to be fair, and losing to Switzerland. Yeah, as well. that's why. That's what I'm saying to you. But yeah, in the arguments, you have to factor in the player pool that we're picking from because that I think is a valid reason as well as to why maybe things didn't work out for Stephen. But then, if you flip that, then people will say, and I would as well, I'd say, well, Stephen, if this is the players you're picking from, why you ask them to do things that maybe they can't do? Because this playing out from the back, beautiful game, we're, like it's not like we're brilliant at it either. So that that's where my point comes about, you have to mix it up and change it up a little bit, that yes, we can play at the right times, but also where's the penetration, where's the progressive passing, the forward passing, um, we don't really see that. And Stephen coming out, and this is where as well, again, he, in six months, a year, two years, when he looks back, the interview after the match, the night and coming, up, coming out dressing up the game, well, we had 20, 18 shots, and, and if that one had to hit your man's head, it might have went in, and if we had... Like what? Honestly, Shane, the way that game played out the other night, and this is exactly how it played. We started well, small bone shot, good start. Uh, Ferguson hits the post. Then Gus Poyet even said this himself. It took him five or six minutes just to adjust to the way we set up because he wasn't expecting that, and it would almost seem like that on the pitch. The players then, once they adjusted to it, Greece took over, mm. took over for the next twenty-five minutes, half an hour. Then we had our little spell five minutes before the match, before the half-time, and then we're caught with the, the sucker goal at half-time because we're too open in, in our pursuit to try and score a goal. Then the second half that Stephen is talking about being so good and the chances and the stats and all this, Greece sat in. So when the game was in the melting pot in the first half and it was nil-nil and one-nil, Greece were better than us because the two teams were going for it then. Then Greece are 2 nil up at half-time and they're saying, should we just have to sit here? and let them play in front of us, which is what they did. We never really penetrated. We never really looked like scoring in the second half. So you can't come out and dress that up then. People are at the match. So Stephen had to come out then and say, yeah, you know what, Tony, I'm not happy with this. We didn't play well. They were well prepared. I'm so disappointed. I'm not happy with this. People then might say, yeah, you know what, Like he's, you, can, you can, we saw that too. I agree with the manager. Mm. But coming out saying we had 12 shots and that one hit the post and that one was unlucky, like... I. I think that wears thin after a while. Like no, that's and that's all. That's all fair points. And perhaps we, if Gus Poyet wants the job, we might and, have and that bit of bite. Thing, and there's the thing, Shane. Like in the two games, like people are talking about the Greece game were the pivotal ones, right? Gus Poyet got the better of us on and off the pitch in both games, tactically, the way he set up in the first game, 
outfoxed us, outmaneuvered us when he made the tweak and we were slow to react at half time. Mm. The other day in the press conference, Keith makes the comments, Keith Andrews, and I was like, sick. Wh- yeah. Why you make these comments, Keith? Poy is sitting back laughing. He comes out and has his own kind of comments that he reacts to and then to go out and do the job on us again in the pitch. Sent and off last the night. Dutch beat the Greeks last night. Yeah. And Poyet was sent off. Poyet was sent off. Kazakhstan are beating Finland 2 1. Wow. That was one for that one. Group H, there's a big result. But we have rambled on for 20 minutes and gone over. Is, is there any other. There's other footballing topics, Ruby, surely. Sorry. Before we take a break and turn our attention to, to racing. There is. What about Darren England and Daniel Cook? Back at the weekend, Al. Haven't been on a football pitch or seen at a football ground. <laughs> Back at the wheel, that's what to say. Back at the wheel. <laughs> I thought they might be doing the VAR on, on Robinson's goal last night. It took so long. Yeah. They're just like, lads, let's, let's be safe. Was there. I the only one who thought that was offside? Yeah, when I, I, first thought, I thought it was offside as well. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, they're back, Ruby. I was over at that game and yeah, it was... It's mad. It, it, I don't know what you think, Shane and Ruby. What do you think? VAR, yes or no? Oh no, I'm a traditionist. Sure, I still call the Sport Association football. Yeah, you do. I'm yeah, you're you're the wrong man, Tan. But yeah, V or no? Not I it's actually, a no for me. I I actually thought the TMO had brought rugby so far, and then I watched the World Cup, and I'm thinking, oh lads, what are you doing? There's so many forward passes, so many things going unmissed. Mm. They're not using the TMO because apparently it was slowing it down too much. Uh, I would say the players needed to be slowed down so they could have a breather too. I'd say it was working just fine. And I think VAR could be so straightforward, only the unwillingness of the FA to just mirror what rugby did. They just did it the very yeah. same way. It's so simple. But obviously, you can't do what somebody else has already done because it's not your own idea. And if it's not mm. your own idea, there's no way you're going to bring it in, is there? Here's one, Ruby, right? And I know we always have to joke about the rugby, and I know you're a rugby man. I watched two rugby matches at the weekend, and they were the best games of rugby I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. How many games of rugby have you watched in your I've life? I've never though? watched a, game, a full game <laughs> so of rugby. They were the two best. But they were the be- I've never seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. The two, honestly, it was the best games. It was incredible. I sat watching that first half of. Obviously, our match was amazing, and I know the heartbreak, but. The France and South Africa first half was like, <laughs> it was like fast forward. Let rugby. me tell you, they're not all like that. No, I know that because I only the reason I don't like rugby in the first place is because it's slow and stodgy, <laughs> yeah. and pedestrian, and and all that stop start. This was unreal stuff. Did you just say that? I did, Ruby dear. I've said it. I've said it. You will go to a stadium and watch a nil all draw and tell you that it's too slow and that rugby is too slow and too stodgy and. Oh pedestrian was the other one pass, pass, it out, pass it out from the back and give it to the centre back and pass it to the wing back and well, pass it back to the centre back and give the keeper a touch that's a big thing too but let's just pass it around between the back five because that's what you do keep the ball it's so entertaining Would you each, give it a break each, to Perry? each to their own each to their own you're going to be tuned in to RT2 on Saturday because Glasgow Warriors are playing Leinster oh, the URC from half three <laughs> we're going to take a short break and then we're going to chat racing game on racing now you're very welcome back to the final part of this evening's game on as we chat racing and I am going to borrow a line from our producer Andrew so Frankie goes to Hollywood Kentucky and Dubai <laughs> Ruby Frankie has done a U-turn on the old retirement everywhere bar the sunset that's where he's going <laughs> um, but look it's Frankie the Tories decision he's perfectly entitled to do whatever he wants um, are you surprised I think the murmurings have been there for a long time, Shane, ever since York. And you, look, the rumours were, were were 
well into overdrive by the time Frankie came to, came to Leperstown in September. But am I surprised? No, he, he did have a wonderful season and he had a brilliant York. He did have a good break in the middle of the summer and I think which at his age was a huge help to him. Now he's riding on the crest of a wave. He doesn't want to pack it in. He's going to keep going. But he's heading off to America to start as a freelance, which is pretty much starting again. And he wants to get a ride to the Kentucky Derby. And I suppose you should never have any regrets when you retire. It's People do unretire, but that's probably even more humbling um, than not retiring, unhumbling even, or humiliating. Um, and look, fair play to him. He, he's a brilliant jockey. But I, I just, I hope, really hope it works out for him because he's not getting any younger. And when he starts riding flat out day in, day out in America, it's just can his body keep recovering? And he did say that when we talked to him in Leperstown that, you know, it is he is finding recovery harder. I remember saying to you Ruby back in the summer when he was having obviously all the winners and, and things going well saying is he mad to be retiring because things were going so well but I almost feel now and as you say it's his decision but what if it doesn't go as well next year and you all, you're all, you always of the view you go out at the top but it feels to me he's just milking a little bit Yeah look it does look that way he's trying something new he's going to America a change can be as good as a break um, but look Frankie booked the trend set him old but it's the first time he, like, he's in Ascot on Saturday. It's supposed to be his last Ascot. Not that I believe that. I bet you he'd be in Ascot next June for Royal Ascot. But he's doing a press conference instead of riding in the last race. Never Ru- saw that before. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Ruby, unfortunately, we are stuck for time. Um, is there anything else? Joseph O'Brien could be represented yeah, in the Caulfield, Caulfield Cup. Cup on Saturday. Okita Sushi and Valley and King. Joseph had plenty of success in Australia before, but they could be up against it. There's a few top class uh, Aussie horses in there, but look, huge prize money in Australia, and Joseph knows how to take them down under and win. Okay. Um, Ruby has a good article uh, last weekend the examiner all the latest racing stories there I'll give it a plug because I know you wouldn't Ruby cheers cheers give me a new contract <laughs> Ruby thank you Alan thank Pleasure, you lads. thanks to our listeners thanks to Andrew who produced this evening's show uh, Better De Silva is up next that is all we have time for I'll be back from 6pm tomorrow but for now from all of the game on team it is bye bye